Hey, Carm Capriato here with a refreshing episode to help get our minds off the challenges that we're facing over COVID-19. Now, I do hope that you are safe and doing what is right to protect you, your family, and your team. Now, my praises go out to the healthcare heroes who are in harm's way and to all of our first responders. Now for this episode, put your propeller hat on and listen to a first-hand account from Scott Brown, Chris Chesney, and Dwayne Myers as they share their trip to the Southwest Research Institute as we talk AI and the autonomous car. Now be prepared to be amazed with this episode. The car is not going to change all that much from what we're seeing coming off the showroom today. It's the data that that it's throwing off, being mined and used and deep learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence applied to, to make it more efficient. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm here. Now, if you don't yet value this pure form of audio aftermarket wisdom, just think about the talk radio that, that you listen to. What we do here is bring specific aftermarket acumen to you. It's on demand, it's free, and 24-7. This is pure, pure aftermarket networking at your pace. Glad to have you here. And yes, we're the original, the premier aftermarket podcast with the most comprehensive library of lessons from the street that can be used immediately to improve your life and your business with some exciting tech talk on AI and the autonomous car coming right up. If you earn your living in the automotive aftermarket, and I'm sure you do, this may be your year to get to Apex. New this year, Repair Shop HQ and a fully built-out six-bay shop on the show floor. The dates are November 3rd through the 5th, 2020 at the Sands Expo and the Caesars Forum in Las Vegas. Registration is open in April. Right now, go to aapexshow.com. Hey, look, I've been quick to adapt to these unparalleled times with talk and content that will help you get to the other side of this crisis. I've got links to important COVID-19 podcasts as well as government links like the CDC, OSHA, and the CARES Act, and many other important documents you probably need to see. Find them all on my homepage, remarkableresults.biz. This episode was recorded at Vision 2020, and my panel, Scott Brown, Chris Chesney, and Dwayne Myers, all podcast alumni. Hey, find the talking points with my guests' bios at remarkableresults.biz slash E526. Are you ready for this? Learn how data mining and artificial intelligence will help mitigate traffic problems, increase fuel economy, and provide more safety as the autonomous driverless car gets smarter and closer to reality. You've got a front row seat with Scott, Chris, and Duane as they share their experiences coming from the Southwest Research Institute. Now remember, if you've got a friend that needs to hear this at any Remarkable Results Radio podcast, please share it. They'll love all the geek talk. Remember, listen to learn just one thing. Hey, everybody, it's Carm again in the Vision 2020 studio. Uh, I just wanted, for, for just posterity, this is the last of the interviews in three days, about 18 of them under our belt. By the time you may hear this one, I have to tell you there's been some unbelievable interviews. I can't wait to get them out. This is one of them. I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I do know one thing. You're going to learn an awful lot about tomorrow, the future. Uh, with me is Scott Brown from Connie and Dixon Diagnostic Network. Hey, man. Hey. And Chris Chesney is with us from uh, CarQuest, uh, WTI, CTI, all those. All those eyes. All those yeah. eyes. Glad to have you here. 
another always great friend of the podcast, and Dwayne Myers from Dynamic Automotive in Maryland. How you doing, Carm? Here's how this started. Chris stopped by. I'm putting up the studio. How you doing? I said, great. And I always ask Chris, what's new? What's going on? And he says, well, last week, a bunch of us from Auto Care on some kind of committee, doesn't matter right now, we went to Southwest Research Institute. And I said, God, I know about them. He says, unbelievable. And he started to tell me what the future may look like based on what they're working on and how autonomy may be or may not be. And he told me some things and I said, stop, time out. Can you guys come and be with me and share the experiences that you had there and and how you guys, because you're so well connected, can share what you're thinking and what you know and what we need to pay attention to. So it's Chris, go to you start with what, what, what you told me a few days ago, how this whole thing started. Well, I think the challenge for the three of us is to our articulate what we saw. Uh, in many cases, I know Scott and I stayed an extra day and we were in a room with scientists and engineers and they're talking way over our head. And we're looking at each other going, oh my God, what are they fighting over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it wasn't even the car stuff. We're just trying to demonstrate what industry should be doing at, at Apex next year. But we were privileged enough to sit with uh, the Southwest Research Institute engineers and get a kind of a, a high-level overview of what they're working on, some cool projects they're working on. Much of it really was around how autonomous vehicles will impact traffic flow and the infrastructure as they're introduced into the, into the traffic pattern, not as they displace the entire fleet of vehicles, but what does one or two or ten autonomous vehicles in a traffic pattern do to the traffic pattern? Yeah. It was fascinating, and it, it really boils down to this, in my opinion. We can get into some details, but the car is not going to change all that much from what we're seeing coming off the showroom today. It's the data that, that it's throwing off, being mined and used, and deep learning, machine learning, artificial intelligence applied to, to make it more efficient and to make it play in the, in the traffic space better than it ever has, and, and that can reduce traffic, mitigate traffic problems. It can reduce or increase fuel economy. Uh, it can provide more safety. And it's really not changing the car. It's changing. It's, it's leveraging the data. Uh, so the software is getting written. Um, you, you had said to me, uh, if there's a texter walking down the road, tell that story. Uh, they're taking and leveraging uh, the anatomy research that sports scientists and sports uh, areas have, have researched over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Uh, professional sports teams are analyzing the, the mechanics of, of how you run and how you move and trying to provide efficiencies in that so that athletes can perform at a higher level. Or they're, they're taking all of that data and they're plugging that into uh, powerful computers uh, and then they're able to recognize that person walking down the sidewalk with the cameras today. And Scott can speak more to the camera technology because he's like, he's sharing with us on social media a lot yeah, of really cool stuff. But they're able to predict or project where that walker who's texting and not paying attention with headphones on, not listening to sound, they can predict when you're going to step off the sidewalk in front of a moving vehicle before you step off the sidewalk, before a human eye can perceive that. They gave us an illustration with kind of dot points of the joints of the person walking, plus 
a little blue dot out in front of that person predicting where they were going. And before we could see them move, the dot moved out in the middle of the street and the car stopped. The dot was the computer the, algorithm's yes. decision. Predicting. Prediction. Prediction. Yeah. It was, <sighs> yeah, it was, it was pretty fascinating. Yeah. And to kind of boil it down, they're talking what's called XV, right? Extended vehicle. So a vehicle into the, into the environment. And the things that really fascinated me is that, you know, they, the Southwest Research Institute, which, by the way, was founded like back in the late 40s after the post-war effort. And it was an oil tycoon that decided to see if he could start figuring out how to solve problems because he knew there was a lot of smart people. So he hired a bunch of engineers and said, you guys go out and find some problems and get somebody else to pay for that effort. And that's how the, the business is formed. So it's a it's a nonprofit huge company to do a lot of military stuff so we we were very privileged to see yeah. some who was, who was telling me you scott that nasa is a big part of their business yeah, yeah. And, and so so this is a real credible high-tech company to hear that they're working on this stuff i guess is assuring to to oh, us yeah. as as we move into autonomy because there's a million people working on this is the Southwest Research Institute going to have more credibility in all these fragmented uh, tech technology companies that are going on? I, I would say so, yeah. They're involved with everything. So Chris was talking about infrastructure and traffic planning, and uh, you know they've, they've modeled out the state of Texas Department of Transportation system. Uh, they've now licensed that to Florida, and uh, I mean, it's just incredible what they're doing. But they're looking at like the topology and they're mapping out where a car needs to navigate for best efficiency to and from. And so your your same your same route, the route is not normally the same road. We'll get back to you. Yeah, I know Dwayne so, wants to say yeah. something because you were telling me about the camera, the, the down-facing camera. Oh, yeah. You, uh, oh, yeah. That was cool. What's going on? Carl, we're going to jump around here all, right. all over the place. Right, well, good. You said about Southwest Research Institute started in 47. They built and grown, but what... what uh, I think people should know what all they do. Yes, I think 39% is, is with NASA. They, building satellites and all that gives them some serious street cred in, in mm. anyone's circles. Yeah. And then maybe another 19, 20% on either military or transportation, uh, DOT. So they're, they're definitely in our facet, but they also uh, do stuff with uh, like the new coronavirus. They're working on that too. Thankfully, we didn't go to that building right. when we skipped. <laughs> but th th this is a, a complex of buildings all over the place working on tech. And, and bio, the masterminds there, it's got to be amazing. But I think one thing it gives us, they've worked with the OEs for years and, and the new technologies rolling out. They're a third party that is neutral where they're, they're looking um, to help the industry combining maybe the aftermarket and the OE where with the third party, it's not us and them. It's, it's just us. I see. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. A person yeah. in the middle? At the end of the day, they, they're into everything. They're into deep sea exploration. They're into space exploration. They're into medicine. It was fascinating, but the, obviously we're kind of attracted to some of the, the technology on, on mobility. And I think one of the first things they shared with us was the largest robot in the, in the world that is like a gantry arm that has a laser at the end of it that can unpaint or strip the paint off of an aircraft and vacuum that powder up and recover that into, I can't remember what he said, almost a five-gallon bucket or something, 
and they can strip an airplane without mess. So today they strip airplanes like you strip a car. They put stripper on them. They're washing all of that down on the ground. They're trying to contain all of that uh, so it doesn't get into the environment. But this arm stretches out over the plane and a laser goes and moves across the surface of the, of the aircraft and takes the paint off so that they can repaint it. That was fascinating just right out of the gate. And we're talking about stuff outside our world. So it's not just the tech. Are they actually building the units? Yeah, they build them and, and test them. They build them and test them. Yeah. One of the things I think, and, and Dwayne alluded to it, they're a not-for-profit. So some of the technologies they can't couldn't share with us because they were commissioned by uh, another organization that wanted to keep it uh, private. But uh, much of the technology that they, they developed they open source that technology so others can use it. Uh, and they encourage their, their clients to do that so that uh, they're not in it. They said this probably 10 times. They're not in it to get rich. They're in it to create the technology and, and make it open source so other people can put it into action. I think that's a crazy thought yeah. uh, to have all these different fiefdoms going on with, with any kind of particular source code. You guys are so much closer to this. Am I crazy to think that or is it healthy? to have that i think it's healthy okay. I, I mean there's probably some there, there's some level of propriety so the stuff like chris was talking about so that was a i think a dutch company or something um that you know was trying to figure out a better way for for doing that a clean way right and one of the questions i had is i said oh you're vacuuming all that out are you going to weigh that because now you know how much came off the aircraft because that's weight and balance and all that and he I don't. I think he said, "I'm not sure yet," yeah, yeah. or whatever. But a uh, hundred pounds went on. I mean, pa paints, you know, yeah. heavy. It's probably is it eight pounds or more a gallon? Well, they, yeah, they have to weigh a, an aircraft well, sure. after it gets painted, you know, to make sure that it's it's right. But uh, I find that. By the way, I find paint on an aircraft so fascinating because it's up in minus forty, and you know, it doesn't shed off. Yeah. It's supposed to, you know, what compress, mm -hmm. and then it comes down back to an eighty degree Miami, and it, plane still looks the same. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. The technology in mm -hmm. paint, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Hey, Carm here. And I bet you think of your shop management system every day and wonder if it's time to make an important change, a change to a modern, efficient, and powerful system. Now, instead of thinking about your old system, I want you to consider Shopware a comprehensive cloud-powered shop management system that gives your customers an end-to-end -end digital experience that will help you sell more services while making your customers happier. And who doesn't want happier customers? In a study of work orders written and shared on Shopware, sharing the digital work order with your customer generated a 12% increase in their likelihood to buy. Now that translates to additional sales in your business. And with Shopware's proprietary parts GP optimizer, you can boost your parts margin with the click of a button and leave behind the pain of managing an old parts matrix. Put solid gross margin dollars back in your business because Shopware puts huge computing power into making you successful. Now it's time. Make the switch to Shopware. Get a free live demonstration at shop-ware.com and find out how you can make more money from happier customers. Back to the cars. What else did you see and what, what can you tell us? And what should we know? The reason why we're there, we're part of this Auto Care Association uh, ADAS work group, right? So we've got a, a number of uh, tasks in front of us to try to figure out some better best practices. The engineers, a couple of engineers from Southwest Research are there. to They're there working on this project with us, and they're providing us with some visibility. And earlier last year, we got a number of presentations by these guys showing us some of the cool stuff that they're working on. 
they're working on the the machine vision stuff. They showed us a video where they went to, to Japan and they hopped in a taxi and they asked to stick their GoPro up on the dash of the taxi and this thing's recording all this data. They just took the video and fed it into their system and they showed us all this video and while it's going down the road, it's doing object detection, classification, and I mean, it's doing all this stuff in real time. And I mean, the lines in the road and all this other stuff, it's just fascinating. From a GoPro. From a GoPro, yeah. So yeah. it's just the, the So the give video. me the visual and we'll figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, so, and that's really what's going on. We're trying to make these machines think and understand the way we as humans are, right? So, I mean, and our brains are pretty powerful, right? We see edges and we go, oh, that's a monitor, or that's a, you know, that's a microphone, and, you know, there's a truss out there. We, we recognize that, but... And it has, the thing, I think they picked Tokyo because it's congestion, and, and there's so much going on at one time to be able to separate it and pick out the people, the bicycles. You know, what, what this technology has to eventually do is understand that's a box truck and this is a school bus. And when the school bus sends out its little red, uh, red flag to stop, the car has to start understanding what that is. Your police officer, the commands they make, what it means to come and go, because that's not connected into the network. It has to understand that on its own. And I think this is like vetting out the algorithms and how they're de determining what is what. It's pretty wild to watch just a raw feed of what they're doing. So that's a police officer. He's got a badge and a hat, and he's got a gun on his side. So he must, we must pay attention to him. That's the only way you could figure it out. you got to teach it what it sees. Pattern recognition. Yeah. We do that as technicians every day. I mean, it's really no different. Humans recognize patterns, and they're, they're uh, over the... The course of the of growing up, you recognize what things look like, and you can quickly identify them without even looking at them. I mean, I can tell that's your suitcase over there without looking over there. So, uh, they're trying to teach the cameras uh, uh, to do the same thing. You're taking that data, you're making decisions about it quickly, and uh, and all that Scott talked about was applied to that texture that's walking down the street. It, it recognizes that person as a texture, as a as a pedestrian. So it knows it's a human. I've, I've got to protect that. And, and it just takes the extra data to know before it steps off, before he steps off the curb, that he's stepping off the curb. Did you see anything where the, uh, that would be a, a back facing camera on the driver at all or the passengers? And it, the driver has a reaction to all of this also. Did you hear anything about that? I mean, they're using, they're going to be using cameras in cars. I mean, they're already doing that today, but that's, uh, to detect. A couple of purposes, right? To detect the, that the driver's actually paying attention. Um, they can do a number of, uh, AI, uh, you know, programs on that. In the future, I know Tesla and the Model 3 has got a center camera on the inside. They're not using it today, but I, I've been told that that's for the future to monitor the passengers when that thing becomes a robo taxi. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Well, well, first of all, if you're touching the center stack and you're playing and looking for a serious channel, there is a gap in attention yeah. ever so slightly. Everything's going to have a sensor behind it, right? Oh, absolutely. All this technology that, that we have in play today is just being leveraged. Uh, that's the thing I took away from the whole trip is all the things that we've been working on for the last 10 years. I mean, the technology's been here we just haven't seen it leveraged in in the way of artificial intelligence and machine learning and the and the application of all that data that it's throwing off. Now we're able to harness that and put it into action and and make things more efficient. 
think one of the probably the technology I saw that in the project I saw that was the most impressive was the Nextcart uh, project where they're trying to take existing technology and, and squeeze 20 percent uh, increase in fuel economy out of a vehicle without changing the technology on the vehicle, but by controlling it differently. Software changes. Yeah, just taking data from the cloud and and the the from uh, the GPS data that they get off of traffic. Scott said they they're mapping all the the infrastructure and highways, but taking a Prius and uh, remotely having it mounted to a dyno and controlling it controlling the, the software and the way it interacts with the battery and the motor, the motor generator, and then placing it virtually into traffic in Fort Worth, and then controlling that vehicle on the dyno so that it, it provides some levels of efficiency in traffic virtually in Fort Worth and seeing what the fuel economy improvements are. And their goal is to improve fuel economy by 20% without changing the technology on the car but just control it more effectively. That started off with, remember the big, they did that project oh, with the yeah. circle of vehicles. So they had all these yeah, vehicles yeah. running in a circle and they had like cruise control going. And so the cars were all moving at the same same rate. And then they introduced an error, right? A human error, like slow, one, one car slowed down and then it just jerked the whole, it was a giant chain reaction. That's what Chris was talking about out on the road. If we can move the traffic all at, a, at the same clip, then it's not you're not in the throttle out of the throttle and all that other stuff. I, I have an uh, I have an analogy. Uh, we're waiting at a red light. We're the fifteenth car. Uh, the left green arrow comes up, and Anne says, "Saint Anne, the lady who makes me do mm-hmm. all these great things." She says, "Why does it take so long?" And I says, "Every time I sit here, I think of when I was in the army, and they say forward, word, and everybody's." right foot went out at the same time and yeah. I says if we could just all get that together it would be the coolest yeah. thing yeah. I think with what Scott was talking about they, they found out when the cars were going in a circle accordion effect like you have out on your major highways yeah. slowing down traffic burning more fuel if, if one person turned on their cruise control it became the one with the cadence yeah. saying yeah, north, exactly left right. left yeah, left yeah, yeah, yeah. it smoothed it out about 90% better or something yeah, it, yeah. so yeah. if they can do the predictive and get it consistent, <laughs> yeah. it'll improve fuel mileage as, as an extra benefit. Take the driver out. Yeah. yeah, so actually in that that scenario, I found the video. It's on the National Science Foundation's website. Okay. And they actually tracked acceleration, deceleration, braking, and fuel economy during that exercise. And so when that accordion effect kicks in, you've yeah. got people accelerating, decelerating, coming to a stop, all of that. Uh, one of the next steps that they took was to introduce an autonomous vehicle in the middle of that and map or watch the effect that an autonomous vehicle in the middle of that the rest of those vehicles 19 or so vehicles driving in a circle how that affected the pattern and it smoothed it completely out and the the oscillations of acceleration braking slowed down to almost nothing and the fuel economy increased significantly so it's it's really the thing I got out of all those projects was the introduction of autonomous vehicles into the into the fleet and into the into the traffic patterns in the in the coming years, and it's it's happening. It's going to happen. The impact that we really didn't think about on fuel economy and traffic mitigation uh, throughout a, an urban area by just a few vehicles not having to replace every vehicle was shocking to me. I, I had not thought about how 
autonomous vehicles would impact other drivers that are driving and controlling the vehicle themselves. It was astonishing. Just think what could be saved in five to ten more years if if they can get a few of these out there to get the, the traffic patterns more consistent, even if it's slower but consistent, if they don't have to put an extra lane on a major highway. Yeah. What kind of money would that save? Because the traffic now you're getting to work faster. Good point. You're you're now able to get to work ten minutes faster. What what's that residual benefit there to oh my, you? Oh my God! In L.A. with those what eight lines? Well, you would know, Scott. How, how big are the uh, lanes? Oh, there? it's I mean, some are they eight lanes? Yeah, some freeways, maybe six or so. But, six or uh, so. It's uh, it's insane, and uh, it, it could it, become one, unnecessary. One little accident, and it, everybody's got to stop and look. And I'm going, come on, guys, let's just get going with it. You know? That removes the whole rubberneck thing. I mean, yeah. it, and so okay, we're, we're we're deep in level three autonomy. Right, we're level two yeah, today. Level two. I would say really, yeah. but if you listen to what Elon Musk says, okay, <laughs> he says if you if you reduce the demand on the driver, and that driver can do other things, you know, between on their commute to work or what have you, they can be far more productive. Right? I mean, they could they could accomplish some tasks. You can get creative. You can start thinking about some other thing. Um, just think of what would <laughs> I happen would love to do that. Think yeah. about what would happen to society if if that that demand for that workload on that drive into work and back we can work change. harder yeah oh boy yeah <laughs> carm you could be slicing out your podcast while you're driving to work absolutely are you kidding me chris you you uh, i said it and you you landed right in my lap on that i mean it's just like yeah we need to work harder so is the stuff that uh Southwest Research Institute doing is it is it level three four five what where when are we going to see this stuff well, I mean, what we saw, so we, we got to, we got to do a number of things. The first, the first day we were there, you know, we, we got a, a number of presentations by all these different scientists that covered all these different things. Well, midway in the, before lunch, I think we went out for a field trip. Okay. And this is on their property. I don't know how many square miles they have, but it's huge. So we go around and we take, they take us down to this test track and we arrive and we can see that there's this big Hummer, military type Hummer. And there's some street lights, and there's another car there, like a Ford Fusion, I think it was, right? That was an MKZ. Or an MKZ, yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln MKZ. MKZ. So so we got groups, and, and three people would pile in the MKZ, and he goes, okay, we're going to go and go for a road test. And he just, like, hit the button, and that car is driving itself, okay? And it starts going, and they've all upfitted it with all their gear. It had a LiDAR sensor on top, you know, cameras, radar, and all that stuff. But it had a camera on the bottom facing camera facing on the ground. They had mapped out all of the features on the ground. And that thing went through a a road course with cones, high cones. And I mean, they were very tight. There's no way that any of us could have driven that course at that same pace and made it without knocking over those cones. This thing went through aggressively, just sliced and diced, and it was all hands off. But was was that downward facing camera the key? Yes. That was primary, the primary impact. But, but was it downward facing and recording the road? Uh, did it allow the second pass through to, to work perfectly? So they had already mapped that out. Uh, that's, okay. that's right. what I. So if, if I took, if I took that car out and, and I ha- actually drove it while I was recording mm-hmm. the mapping of the detail of the asphalt yeah. and then I pressed that button, it was going to take me right back on the same identical path. Right. But think, think about um, if all the cars out there at some point, if all the cars had these downward facing cameras and they were able to pump up that those features up 
upstream, you know, over the air. Oh, my. And then they basically mapped these roads out. Now they could get super precise. Wow. And, and that's, that's probably the most critical piece. Oh, now, my God. You could, you, could, you could space, you could space yeah. because they would know digitally how, yeah. what part of the road yeah, you GPS were on. GPS isn't all that accurate. Right. I mean, we're talking with this technology, millimeters of accuracy. Yeah. And so you can, you can drive cars closer together. Right, you right. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put more density on the highway or wherever. But it's dependent on the the, the surface, right? So it wouldn't yeah. work in Denver, uh, you know, in the, in the winter for well, you know, yeah. four four months of the year or yeah. five months or what have you. But I mean, it's it's just fascinating to see all of this uh, science and technology yeah. being unbelievable. Applied to, you know, the weather's an unbelievable challenge in all of this too. Yeah, that's why it's, it, they have multiple systems. But they they've actually taken that. We had we saw two of their vehicles. They've gone everywhere from a golf cart to a tractor trailer and outfitted it to drive itself. And I believe they've sent a few vehicles over to Afghanistan of the Hummers. Uh, I'm not sure all about it, but they, they've been doing this for a while, you know, and, and they're just not doing just the vehicles. It's the infrastructure, you know, with, with the, the, the ITS stations where, where they know where, when the lights are going to change, where the cars are communicating. So they're, they're not just vetting, developing, and, and really putting effort. It's just not a dream. They're making plans to make this happen. You know, it sounds like 5G is one of the answers to get this data up quick, yeah. fast, and back down. Is the infrastructure piece going to be critically important, you know, that we're talking to street lights and we're talking to... Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think the thing that surprised me was that they didn't really emphasize 5G as much as they did DSRC. Uh, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I heard that that still may be the staple. Well, Toyota committed to DSRC, and I think many others will. But uh, 5G obvious, is kind of the obvious path, but I don't think that they're banking on that up front. So one form or another, you're going to have some sort of short-range communication between traffic lights to mitigate traffic, to slow you down, yeah. to pace yeah. you for that next stoplight, that sort of thing. But. DSRC for anyone who's listening because we throw acronyms around yeah, a lot. Digital, digital short range radar right. yeah, or it, communications. communications. It's yeah. it's faster than five. Five G still has some lag, even yeah. though it's yeah. really fast. We're looking for instant because we're talking millimeters. And so yeah. DSRC yeah. is much faster. Well, yeah. I mean it's it's an already existing technology. It, 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 yeah. All right, it's proven yeah. and it's consistent. Yeah. I think they know what they're going to get with five G. It maybe uh, okay. you might get in an area that isn't as good of signal as it is in a city. But DSRC is still cell, cellular. No, no it's right. It's it's digital short range communication, but it's it's a is it V to V? V yeah, no, it's V two an infrastructure that hangs off a telephone pole that's powered up and and cycles the stoplights based on traffic. Isn't it something like your your toll lane? Yeah, similar. Yeah, to that. You know where you put yeah. your little box up yeah. for your windshield, yeah. your toll lane. I think that's yeah. that's. Probably a good example of what that is. Yeah, and then you know, as we as we move into the future, and as five G becomes more uh, enhanced and robust, yeah. and you know, we're and and whatever be, exceeds the five G stuff, right? Yeah. There, there'll be a six G or a ten G or whatever. We're, we're in one of the most fascinating <laughs> times. <here> earlier. <laughs> we're we're in one of the most fascinating times, guys. It's almost like we have a chance to see the future. I mean, you guys have had. Thanks for coming on and sharing this. It's exciting, scary. Should we worry that we're going to be able to fix this stuff, or will nature find a way? I think we're going to have more data at our fingertips to to be able to slice and dice and 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 make you know do inferencing and uh, figure this stuff out. So I talked to Donnie, and I got some insight from him today on that. 
Yeah. yeah. The other part we didn't even talk about is uh, the security yeah. and all the yeah. other stuff because yeah. these vehicles are going to be talking to all these systems yeah. and yeah. and there's some very smart guys working on some stuff and uh, they couldn't even show us all the stuff yeah. they're working on, but yeah. it, it's amazing. Joe Register that you've interviewed oh, many times. Love Joe. You know, J- Joe's, he's the leader of, of, of this work group for ADOS, but he also had his SVI, uh, some of them, the engineers, you know. I've sat in the the meetings that that uh, Scott and Chris sat in uh, that extra day with the engineers talking. Of course, most of them are all German or they're European, so they have an accent and they're talking engineering stuff. So it's very challenging. But he brought the SVI group in too to listen to this because it's all tied together. Yeah. Sec- uh, you know, secure interface. It has yeah. you know it has to happen. So uh, yeah, Joe's definitely assembled an amazing. Uh, group of people I, on this. I, I love to listen to Joe. I mean, he's he's nonstop. He goes. He's so smart. Uh, we've interviewed him three times. Go to the website. List, uh, just search for Joe Register and uh, be sure to listen. It would be a great pre uh, episodes to listen to before we get to here because I think he helps explain those acronyms and, and what's going on. Uh, thanks for being here and giving us a slice. First of all, you're sharing the. Th- the stuff that you know, you you have the luxury of, of of getting a chance to get inside and, and know what's going on, and and so to the industry, here's three people who are um, respected enough to go out and, and work on um, the things we need to know and, uh, and get get us a seat at the table. Actually, you know, as, as, as all aftermarket professionals, Scott Brown from Connie and Dixon Diagnostic Network, Chris Chesney from CarQuest, and Dwayne Myers from Dynamic Automotive out in Maryland. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, Thanks Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 